your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. No, I totally forgot. I totally forgot a thing. Being a Friday, and you to be lacrosse political science professor, Doctor Anthony Tregoski is in here. Happy Friday, Rick. And um, that oh, I get to turn your mic. Happy on. Friday, there Rick. There we go. <laughs> we can hear it in the background. <laughs> um, and and I'm reading like your you you you're gonna honor Bruce Springsteen today to a degree because he's playing in. We've had this argument recently bruce springsteen or um pink houses guy who's that who sings pink houses oh john mellencamp john cougar yeah john or is cougar? he just john mellencamp now uh, bruce springsteen for sure oh really i'm i'm the i'm going the other way but also this is you know we got to play your music <laughs> well this this is in honor of well we need to honor the fact that bruce springsteen was in saint paul minnesota and milwaukee this week Oh, so it's already he's already coming. Gone. He's already coming. We gone. should have maybe did this last week. Then is where we honor. You know, I the saw boss, right? I saw he's Bruce. The he's the boss. I saw Bruce Springsteen in St. Paul, Minnesota. He went for like three and a half hours nonstop, and he's just an animal. He's still got it. He's in his seventies, and he'll just jam out a three-hour concert. It's crazy. Bruce Springsteen, age seventy-three years old. He's still got it, man. He's still Four, got it. Nineteen. 19- 49 um i've only been to one concert ever it was prince he did like four songs and did an encore like he did four songs well, that's a left. pretty good song that's a pretty good one to go to though but prince. and then he left the stage like he was done <laughs> i was like i just paid 90 dollars to see four songs are you kidding me that's the thing with a guy like prince you never know if you're gonna get a four hour concert or a four song concert but then he did like the encore right like he comes, sure you clap and he comes back he did that three times oh well I guess that's okay then. I just I was like, is this how all concerts go? I've never gone. As to long a as he does like a twenty minute version of Purple Rain, it's fine. And yeah, he had a new album at the time, so there was some of that new okay. album stuff and I was like, What do you do? No, 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 no. We this. want Purple Rain, right. we want nineteen ninety nine, we want Raspberry Beret. It must be the worst dilemma for, for artists because they right, that's all we want are the hits. Yep. And but you never get any new hits unless you come up with new hits and then play them. So, uh, I don't know, the dilemma of having to play the th- like the Rolling Stones, right? The, the dilemma for them, <laughs> because they've been on tour since, you know, the 1800s. Right. And they have to play the same. Like it's, it, somehow I, I they're just, still alive. Somehow they're A, still alive because of all the drugs and alcohol, right? But B, then s- still able to st- still have the gumption to play all the songs that they've played, what, 100,000 times? Yeah. Or more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so anyway, that's what we uh, bring the, the political science professor in here to break down. Well, highly uh, recommended to see Bruce Springsteen. I, one what of the year be- was this? What year was this? I, I saw him a couple years ago oh, in okay. St. Paul pre-pandemic. He was fantastic. And word is he still got it. And he was probably 70. He was probably in his years ago? early 70s, late 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, coming up on the show today, uh, we got a flat tax proposal again? Yeah, you know, Rick, some interesting analyses coming out about the dueling budget proposals from Governor Evers and the Republicans in the state legislature. Actually, a pretty critical analysis of both. Oh, okay. An analysis saying that if either— Let's not get into the details. Okay, just, say, so, so just do- saying that— there were some problems identified with both plans. Wisconsin has seven and seven point one billion dollar budget surplus. They want to ch- we want to change the taxing system so we don't when we go moving forward we don't have seven billion dollars of budget surplus. 
So who do we give a tax break to is what we're arguing about between the the, the Democratic governor and the Republican legislature. Um, next one, the, the Brewers. So st- sticking with the budget surplus, we can use that $7 billion. Now, if we just use some of that money for one-time things, uh, think like, hey, if we just throw a bunch of money at fixing all the roads, like we could do, we, we use all $7 billion to fix the roads. I think that would be non-controversial. Everybody would be in favor of it. Uh, but one of the proposals, Evers says we're going to give $290 million to the brewers and and bribe them to stay here until for an extra 13 years through 2040. Uh, that plan. Yeah, Robin Voss, the Republican Assembly Speaker in Wisconsin, the most powerful Republican in Wisconsin state government, said that that plan is dead. But Robin Voss wants to craft a new proposal. He wants to increase the amount of time that he would ask the brewers to stay here, require the brewers to stay here. Look, Rick, this is about process. It's not about substance. We know that sometimes politics is about substance, where the two sides disagree about what the policy should be. They, at other they times, want the same thing. At other times, it's about process. The, the Republican legislature and the Democratic governor both want to sidle up to the mega rich guy who owns the brewers in a way that, you know, is to me nef- a little nefarious. Like, oh, let's spend a bunch of money to keep the brewers in town because that'll look great for us. And maybe he'll donate to our campaigns. That's, that's how I see that. That's what this is all about. Who will get the credit for keeping the brewers in Milwaukee? That's the battle. Because Robin Voss, the assembly speaker, was mad that, that we, we did this last week. I, I brought up three things that Governor Tony Evers, like, jumped the gun on that Republicans want the messaging on. Um, extending bar time for the Republican National Convention to 4 a.m. Rep- the Democratic governor proposed that, not the Republicans and not like the... the- I'd have to take a couple naps to make it to 4 a.m. 4 a.m., right. Jeez. And uh, he did this with the Brewers. The Republican legislature was mad, not because he's going to give $290 million to the Brewers, but because he said it first and sidling up. And then there was one other one that I totally forgot. Maybe you remember. Putting one penny of the five penny sales tax on the dollar towards local governments. Okay, yes. But uh, another way to change the system and yep. how we are, you know, n- how we're going to not have a $7 billion budget surplus. Um, oh, yeah. So in, in, in that regard, too, right? Because when Robin Voss says, uh, the brewer deal is dead, but we're going to get the brewers to stay here longer and we're going to make it, we're going to give them less budget surplus money, which, you know, he leaves out, okay, but are you going to give them more money somewhere else? Uh, but this is all part of the thing is like the, the Evers has a budget. It's been out. You can look at it. You could see the details of these plans. And Evers is mad about this. Yeah, so Evers had a... Well, I guess he's not mad about his budget, but he's mad at all the, the pushback from Republicans. But then, yeah, show me the damn plan. Show know, me the money. That was, his, that was his quote this week. He said, instead of saying, we don't have enough money, tell me what the damn plan is. I put my plan out there. I think it's a reasonable plan. They need to get to work. This is a common frustration of governors where the legislature pokes holes in their budget, but the legislature then takes its sweet time in crafting its own budget. So right now, the legislature is in the mode of criticizing the governor without necessarily having crafted their own budget yet. The Joint Finance Committee, the powerful committee that actually crafts the budget, is getting ready to do its roadshow. Four hearings around the state where they will take questions, hear input about the budget, then they'll get to work. May, June, we'll start to have a budget come together, but it's going to take a while. So right now, Governor Evers is just facing the heat over his budget proposal.
Well, how long do you think Governor Evers has been working on his budget? I'm working on having Governor Evers on the show, so I'm just going to ask him this. But it's so funny because we've had a billion dollar, three billion dollar budget surplus since last January. So not a couple months ago, January, the other January, a year and three months or so. Uh, So the Republicans could have devised a strategy for a year and three months to distribute the budget surplus. Evers comes out with a plan. And then Republicans are, no, we're not going to do that. But then, like, okay, well, where's your plan? Well, we're, we need another four months. And, Rick, a big, prob- a big part of that is that Republicans were genuinely surprised that they lost the election for governor. Most Republicans thought that Tim Michaels was going to win the governor's race and that they would be able to move forward with a very conservative budget, that they would be able to move forward with things like the flat tax, putting everyone to a single tax rate. But because Tony Evers won re-election and actually won it by a decent margin, for a Wisconsin election, that changed the politics dramatically of the budget situation. So I think the surprise to many Republicans that Evers won is a big factor here. They're like, dang, we we wrote all our budget surplus money plans yeah. because we thought Tim Michaels was going to win. Pretty much. Did they never think that Governor Evers would win re-election? You know, there were reports that top Republicans were telling Tim Michaels, look, You've got this thing in the bag. Focus on the transition. You've got the election won. Focus on what you're going to do as governor. So I think some people were spiking the football a little too early. All right. Uh, It's an anniversary today of the 174-year-old law that bans abortion in Wisconsin. Happy anniversary, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, it passed. No, the- we don't need to do this. I just, I just bring it up. Um, weird news, or no, just non-political news. Uh, last week we did state aroma. What should the state aroma be? I think the best ones were uh, obvious one beer. Another one was beer battered bratwurst, or however, not beer battered. Uh, My, mine was frozen pizza, but out of the oven. Frozen burnt, essentially burnt cheese burnt, on a pizza oven. Burnt frozen pizza. Um, and then another <laughs> real good one was campfire smells. So this week the weird kind of. Uh, Something to do with ranch dressing, right? Ranch Which also flavored. could be a, an aroma for Wisconsin. Are you ready for this, Rick? Ranch-flavored ice cream is coming to Walmart. I might change my mind on Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, right? I do like this song. Isn't this great? Because I think of the boss and like, <laughs> this song's great. So, I don't know. We'll see. We got other songs on the list, but not all Bruce Springsteen related. That would be, I would, I would. Uh, well, we are honoring the fact that Bruce Springsteen played Minnesota and Wisconsin this week. The post honoring, so because he already came and gone. So I like to preview most better than post view, because if you want to, you want to write how a concert went. That's fine, but that's selfish as a news organization or something. Uh, Bruce Springsteen and he came and it was awesome. And you read about, it, you're like, oh, so he. It, it would have been nice if he would have wrote a story two weeks ago telling me he was coming. Uh, you know, it, like um, next week Friday, so a week from today, the point zero, the point zero one k is happening here in downtown Lacrosse. So a race that you well, that doesn't get sound involved. very long. Yes, you can get involved. Okay, you get a T-shirt, you get a beer. Ooh, it's thirty two point eight feet. Wow, and all the proceeds go to the Hunger Task Force. So well, like, a great here's, cause. A, here's a preview. Like it's happening in a week. Go sign up. Uh, the morning of the on Friday morning, St. Patty's Day next week, uh, at point zero one k, everyone can get involved. So there's, you know, but like after the fact, it's should, funny. should we run it as like a bit for the radio show? We could, but I won't be here. Well, yeah, you, that's right. You won't be here. Well, you could run it with. I could, t- I could and run come it. Come in here and tell Hayes about it. I could come in here. Can we get Hayes to do the point oh one? 
while it's ha- yeah, like we, we live from you know, and Hayes just does. I don't know. What do you think Hayes would be able to do? All thirty-two point eight feet. Uh, I think he could pull it off. Running though, running. Maybe he sh- could take a break in the middle. <laughs> Six oh eight seventy. There's a pace car for the race. <laughs> And in my in my head, the is there pace like car, a water station in the middle? There is. There is. <laughs> there is literally a water station. Yeah, Gene Taylor from The Rock told us all about this yesterday. It was super fun. They, this is like the seventeenth or eighteenth year of it. It's uh, you know, it's it's like the mocking of the because once the weather gets warm like it is now, a lot of five Ks. Uh, Lewiston, Minnesota, always had this like ten ten uh, K. I think it was. Um, and always for a good cause, right? But like I ran it once and I had this like 86 year old lady pass me, like literally like she's wearing pink. She passed, she's 80, she's like 80 some years old. I don't think she was 86, but she passed me while I'm doing this 10 K. And then, so down the final stretch, I see the pink and like, cause it was like a downhill and then an uphill to see. And you could see the, the final stretch was a good couple hundred yards. I'm like, there she is. That old lady that passed me. So I made it like my Rocky Balboa moment, my Rocky <laughs> moment. Dun, 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 and I'm just sprinting. I'm sprinting that light, and I passed her right at the end, you know. And so, and I worked for the the newspaper at the time, so I went and hunted her down to to talk. I wanted to tell her and get her comments about my thought process of, "Hey, I saw you." And as a you know, at that time, I was probably like a 30 year old guy. I could not let an, this old lady beat me in this race, right? <laughs> you you got to have some kind of goal. And she goes, oh, that's funny. Uh, I ran in a 5K earlier this morning. Oh, no. <laughs> so she had run a 5K already that day or the night before and then had done this 10K the next time. So, And I was like double humbling for me at that at that point in time. Yeah. But So next Friday, the one that everyone can participate in, the .01K, the St. Paddy's Day .01K. Um, Go to the I bet I could even do that while carrying Savannah, my ten-month-old daughter. Yeah, but do you? I don't know. You got to pay for her though, because I don't think she no free rides, even though she'd literally be getting a free ride right now. <laughs> <laughs> Would she? Can she walk yet? I don't know how she can. Kind of, sort of. She tries to walk, and then she falls on her rear end. Okay, so thirty-two feet for her might be pretty tough. It would. She could crawl that probably. We just encourage her. Come on, Savannah. Yeah. Come on. You can do it. Like you do it like very like Bobby Knight. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you piece of bleep. Got to find ways to motivate a 10-month-old. <laughs> I'm trying to find the time of this thing because it's St. Patty's Day is, you know, like a, I mean, when you drink the green beer all day, right? Sure. Like you get up in the morning. Okay. Check in at Brothers begins at 4 p.m. Uh, you receive your sheet. The race starts at 6 p.m., so you could come. Okay. So Hayes could jump off the show at 6 on Friday when he's in here for me and, Look, and go and run it. If, if Hayes is up for it, I'll do it with him. All right. We'll let him know. Let him know. And, uh, give, shoot him a text next week. I will. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. Do you want to talk about? We, we teased it very much so. Uh, ranch dressing flavored. Is that how you say it? Ranch dr- Ranch. ranch? Dressing flavored. flavored ice cream. If it's ranch, is it ranch dressing? Because ranch flavored ice cream it might be totally different. It might taste like horses or something or hay bales. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's got to be ranch dressing. Ranch dressing is such a – ranch is a weird name for a dressing for what it is. It's a white substance that goes on a salad where you think of a ranch as like this thing that cowboys live on and, you know, you're, you're busting down horses and – 
and and moving cattle. So I don't know. It doesn't sound appealing to me at all. Ranch flavored ice cream. This is. It sounds very appealing to me, Rick. And now I'm questioning if you're a true Midwesterner because as a Midwesterner, you should like everything that has ranch dressing involved. Well, shouldn't we have like cheddar cheese flavored ice cream then? Like uh, in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Sure. I mean, sure. I'll do that. I'm down with that. This is from Kara Levin in Minneapolis. The newest ice cream flavor from Van Leeuwen. They have teamed up with Hidden Valley to release a limited edition ranch dressing flavored ice cream, which will go on sale a short time later this month in honor of National Ranch Day. The ice cream boasts the savory flavors of ranch, including buttermilk, flavorful herbs, and a touch of sweetness creating a delicious treat that pairs perfectly with salty snacks, the brand said in a news release. The Midwest in my DNA just activated Van Leeuwen teased in a post on Instagram this week. The pints will sell for $4.98 apiece at Walmart stores across the country. The limited edition flavor will be sold from March 20th to March 28th. I'm down. I'm, not, I'm, I'm down with this big time. I'm going to try it. I don't like ranch. That's the problem. What? Yeah, I don't... Whoa, 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 whoa. Is this like Aaron Rodgers going vegan right now? It Rick is. It like is. Ranch? Yeah, I just don't like ranch. I don't put it on anything. Like, I, I'll i put Caesar on my my salad. And, well, uh, one of the stores has this weird uh, avocado, uh-oh, avocado salad <laughs> dressing that I use. So. Avocado toast guy over here. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like ranch. If I get topper sticks, I'm getting the cheese dip and uh, maybe a garlic, but I'm not getting ranch. I, I like ranch is too easy. So for me. I will agree with you on that, that with topper sticks, there are better options than ranch, but usually ranch is the best option for dipping anything. Well, the, the best or the, like the, the, if you're having a, a party, good option, everybody, a good option. It, it's non-controversial. Yeah. It's apolitical. And I will tell you, Rick. Having been in North Carolina for five years, they did not understand the magic of ranch dressing down there. So you get out of the Midwest, and then people are like, "You what with your ranch? You do what? You what dip is ranch? what in ranch dressing? Do you they even dip everything in ranch dressing? <laughs> do they put ranch on their salad over in the other places? Not as not nearly as much as we do, and they are not nearly as imaginative in the South as we are with ranch dressing. Does the state legislature, as they argued? You know, they took the last eight months of last year off, but they did at one point argue with the state cheese. Did we ever agree on a state cheese? I, I don't know. I know that there was talk about making Colby the state cheese. I'm not sure if anything ever came of that, though. But, the, I mean, time, the state time, salad dressing, though. Time well spent by the legislature, which took eight months of the year off. I, I learned, uh, I had Gene Pulowski, a Minnesota rep, on this week. Uh, they work 120 days because they're a part-time state legislature, which is a third. And he was complaining they have 2,700 bills to siphon through so far over those 127 days, 120 days because the Democrats have taken over and I, they're flooded with bills. And I was like, well, that's 22 days, 22 bills a day. Get to work. <laughs> You've got 120 <laughs> days, dude. You, they make about $46,000 and, and their session is 120 days long. So, And Wisconsin legislators make more than that. Yeah, they make about fifty five thousand. Yep. And but they're for quote, way unquote, less work. Their quote unquote full time state yeah. legislature took eight months of the year off last week. Um, right, I we mean, got- I mean, Rick. If anything, our part time state, le- our full time state legislature should find the time to make ranch the state dressing. Yeah, I mean, we can't even come to an agreement on cheese. Is ranch less controversial? It should be because ranch should be the state dressing. It absolutely should be. Should it be the state dressing? Because I think it should be the state dipping sauce. Ooh.
How's your mighty boss going? Oh, it's a good. It's <laughs> oh, a good Friday song. Yeah, that's a great song. We need to. We, you need to come up with these songs every every week. Make you do more stuff. I'm just thinking of Friday music. Yeah, and I, I, I always, every once in a while, I throw them in my, you know, I throw a note to myself. Oh, it's a good song. I just don't listen to music all that much. Okay. But I, and I just don't remember songs. I have a whole library of. I, you know what? I have a computer. But you want somewhere. my Spotify login? Well, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a I have a laptop somewhere that I probably haven't turned on in seven years. That's got you know ten thousand songs on it, and every one of them is like a '90s, you know, early 2000s. Uh, the best songs. Um, Kevin texted in. He said uh, the Minnesota State Legislature works 120 days over two years. So I was way off. So the Minnesota's part-time state legislature that works 60 days a year gets paid $46,000 a year. Not a bad deal. If you do the math there, if you just divide it out, it's a sixth of a year they work. Uh, 60, you know, into 300. Is it a sixth? Maybe it's not. It's three, six, 12, 18, 24. Three three sixty. It's they make about two hundred seventy five thousand dollars if you just like, you know, did the math. Rick, there is some political science research on this that shows that the more you pay legislators, the more qualified people will run for office. So I imagine that part of the reasoning there is to just attract qualified people, knowing that it's a little hard to find people who will work for sixty days out of the year. How does that even? How do you even work out at sixty days of a year? Imagine doing it's really your job. hard to do. I mean, I could never do it. Right, because so many people could your, never do it. Right, you have to be at your job. Yeah, so. it's like how do you just like stop for I would say, two months? I would say a part-time state legislature would make it. It would be more difficult to get people that aren't in some kind of weird scenario where they have the luxury of just taking off chunks of time to work on legislation or being in session or whatever versus a full-time state legislature. Throw out the fact that Wisconsin takes the final eight years of the second half of their term off. You know, they're out of session, quote-unquote out of session. I call it off, but um, yeah. So not everyone can be a state legislator because you have to find a way to just put your life on hold for long periods of time, Rick. It's one reason why in Wisconsin there are a lot of landlords who are in the state legislature because they can kind of get away for a while. They don't have to be uh, constantly around their properties, maybe have someone else look over their properties. So you see certain professions that are more likely to become state legislators, but not everyone can become a state legislature legislator. So it limits the opportunities that people have to run for office. And you see certain professions that are more likely than others to enter these offices. This is one of the things where like, it's just dawning on me that that doesn't, it doesn't make sense that this whole, this is all a scheme for certain people. Cause if you were, you know, a bartender or a, a or if, if you, you were, were a bartender, forget it. You can't you do this. If, well, you could actually, because a bartender, I think, could, eh, I'm just gonna be off. I don't know. If you owned a bar, it'd be hard. If, if you work yeah. a nine, if you're a nine to five or you can't be a state legislator. Nope. In a, in a part-time function. Nope. But, um, there is a there is a world here where Wisconsin's a full time state legislator legislature sure. right it is it's a full time so in theory so maybe they should have a rule where you don't actually you don't have you don't get to have another full time job yeah Rick that would be one way to open up opportunities to more people to run for these offices and maybe have more diversity in terms of professions that are represented we might benefit. 
potentially, if there were more diverse professional backgrounds represented in our state legislature. Right now, like I said, we see certain clusterings. We see certain professions that are more likely than others to become state legislators. And that has real effects in policy because guess what? If someone comes from a certain industry, they're going to support policies that benefit that industry. Right, exactly. Yeah, Minnesota working 60 days a year. They're, they're making about 46 grand a year. That's pretty good. Not I would bad. Say. I, I mean, I'd take that. I would say that you'd, a lot of people wouldn't even have to work the rest of the year. Sure. You wouldn't need a side hustle. No. Um, Wisconsin's about, what, 55000 for a state yep. rep? Um, and then that's quote unquote a full time and fifty five grand for most people. So there, there is a bad. world here where if I run for these offices, that would be my full time job, and I don't need a side hustle, right? Because the pay isn't so bad that it's. But it would you could the argument for state legislators is like the pay is 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 terrible essentially. It, it often is bad, and so you need pay that is good enough to attract qualified people. That's what the political science research says. Obviously, you don't want to pay people like $300,000 a year, but you also need to pay people enough to attract qualified individuals who are willing to give up attractive professional opportunities to become a state legislator. Yeah, I don't know. A qualified, I mean, all you have to do is win the election, but then you get into uh, campaigning and campaign finance. And then finance. it's like, but who runs in the first place how is much, the big question. How much money does it cost to, to yep. run an election? Yep. Um, I mean, you go down the list. I mean, any of these offices, you want qualified people for city council. You want qualified people for school board. You want qualified people. So uh, weeding those out is often. Yeah, it's all about designing the office, designing the compensation so that you can get the best people possible for whatever particular office it is and whatever the demands are of that particular office. Yeah. And what 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 counts as a qualified person to be a state rep? They don't all need to be lawyers, yeah. even though they're lawmakers. Yeah, you know? and, and that's a bit in the eye of the beholder, right? So qualifications can mean different things to different people. That's ultimately for the voters to decide, like you said, Rick. But we ultimately want competent people to be in these positions, and so we need to pay them a decent wage. Obviously, we don't want to overpay them. We don't want to lowball them either. We need to pay them a fair wage so that we can get the best possible representation. All right, we brought up um, a kind of dueling proposals. G- Governor Tony Evers wants a middle-class tax cut. Tell me if I'm off on the story. And the Republicans have, have proposed a flat tax. That was, and, and we've already kind of said we're throwing the flat tax idea out the window because I, I guess once the governor says, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to sign a flat tax, so why waste your time on it, right? Like, come to a compromise. Um, but, but the dueling proposals from Republicans and Democrats, I'll just say, even though it's just the governor, uh, there's a study out there, a story out there that says, hey, uh, neither of these work? Problems with both. Yes, the nonpartisan uh, Wisconsin Policy Forum came out with a report basically saying that there are real problems with both sides' is policy ideas, both sides' proposals for the budget. So the Wisconsin Policy Forum said that Governor Evers' budget would create a deficit going forward into 2024 and 2025, basically meaning that you would have to raise taxes to keep up with the level of spending that Governor Evers is proposing. Meanwhile, we know that Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemahue is planning for a 3.25% flat tax over a four-year period, which would, according to the report, decrease revenues by $5 billion for the next two years, and $9.4 billion for the four years after that. So that's like 
$15 billion of lost revenue. Now, again, that means that spending would need to be cut by $15 billion over the next four years if the flat tax was implemented. So problems on both sides here. For Governor Evers, what the Wisconsin Policy Forum is saying is that if his budget was enacted, you would really have to raise taxes in order to keep up with the spending increases. What they're saying for Devin Lemahieu's plan to go to a 3.5% flat income tax where everyone would pay that amount regardless of their income, they're saying that you would have to dramatically decrease state spending to really recover the fact that you would have lots of lost revenue billions and billions of dollars of lost revenue. Well, the study seems to be taking Governor Evers' budget proposal to, and, and obviously because his budget proposal is part of this middle-class tax cut idea, I think a 10% sure. tax cut for anyone making under 150000 or $100,000. Um, when when it comes to the flat tax, are they comparing that to Governor Evers' proposal or what's going on in the state now? Yeah, they're just saying if you kept everything the same right now okay. and went to a flat tax where everyone paid 3.25% in their income tax, then that would reduce revenues by $5 billion over the next two years, okay, so, $9.4 in the two years after that. So what – I guess – and this story's just come out, right? Yep. So do, what are Republicans – what do you think they're – their re- comeback for that is is like exactly so is it, is it yeah. like yes exactly we're going to reduce spend, government spending right that's that's a pro democrat or a pro republican line republicans would absolutely say well it just shows that we have to cut spending they would also maybe quibble with this and say well it doesn't account for the growth that will be produced by the flat tax republicans say that if you have a flat tax you lower taxes on businesses and individuals that it will unleash growth and there may this be is, some truth to that. This is the trickle down. Look, Rick, there may be some truth to that. But what all of the analyses that I've read have found is that there would have to be significant spending cuts if the flat tax went into effect. But that is just the price that you would have to pay if you go to a flat tax. I mean, politics is all about priorities. If you go to a flat tax, then that means that there would have to be spending cuts. That's just the reality. And if you're willing to make that trade, then that's great. That's what politics is all about, making those trades. Meanwhile, if you go to Governor Evers' plan, then you have to be willing to entertain tax increases down the road. That's what politics is all about. It's about those trade-offs. So are people willing to accept deep spending cuts if we go to a flat tax? Are people willing to accept tax increases if we go with the Governor Evers' plan? That's what politics is all about. And then it's hard to wrap your head around any of that. Okay, if we're going to lose $15 billion over the next, what, four years yep. or something like that. Okay, where would those cuts be? You yeah. Know? So, like, like, okay, show me the proposal and, where and you Rick, can make those And, Rick, cuts. that is exactly right. Like, it's easy to say, let's just cut spending. Okay, well, show me the specific cuts. For Governor Evers, you could say, well, we'll just raise taxes. Okay, which taxes would be raised? Right. The devil's in the details. It's all about the specifics. When people start talking about specific tax increases, specific spending cuts, then things get pretty darn testy. And, and so it's one thing to talk about spending cuts and tax increases in the abstract, but spending cuts for who? Tax increases for who? That's when the debate changes. And we've we've learned that the budget surplus, is a, a lot of it has come from corporate income tax or corporate uh, profit tax. I uh, learned that a couple of weeks ago with Adam Murphy. Um, a big part of the pie chart, like I always want the pie chart. Um, but in Governor Evers' proposal, the the middle class tax cut, you know, maybe there is there is some room there because it, corporations in Wisconsin are taxed very low. 
So then, like, maybe they're because you want to. The, the the argument is, they, we'll tax them low, and they'll come here because the taxes sure. are low. So you know, there maybe the offset of the balance there is that you know higher income people would get taxed more. So this gets to this broader debate that's really important in Wisconsin, Rick, which is attracting businesses and attracting workers. Right now, Wisconsin does not have enough workers to sustain economic growth. So a big part of this tax debate is how to attract more businesses and more workers to the state. Because right now, Wisconsin does not have the population growth to really compete with the level of growth that other states are experiencing. So Republicans, on the one hand, say, hey, let's go to a flat tax. That will draw more people here. That will draw more businesses here. That will lead to economic growth. There may be some truth to that. Certainly conservative economists would say that there is truth to that. Liberal economists would say, no, 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 it's more about quality of life that draws people here. It's more about making investments in education and the public services and the public goods that people want in a society, in a community. Now you so get, now if you get different a, points of view. If you get a bowl of nachos and the, the, the restaurant that's got a couple of them, the one in Onalaska, there's another one just down. Uh, oh, Senor Villa. Senor Villa. I mean, yeah, you get yeah, that bowl yeah. of nachos oh, and they give oh, you the salsa and then the I believe it's ranch. Yes, yes, yes. Which one are you using? Oh, the ranch, 10 times out of 10. Unbelievable. It's a good, like, spring Friday, although there's, like, a foot of snow. Well, it's, it ain't over till it's over. Winter ain't over till it's over. <laughs> I, uh, I I argue with Spencer Wilkin, uh, Miss, Mrs. Photon, who comes on the show and we talk science. That uh, winter should be over because the groundhog said six more weeks, right? So it was like, what is this? <laughs> six weeks is exactly next week, Thursday. Ah, so that's why it snowed. Next Thursday, we're, we're done with winter. Okay. So just so you know. Um, daylight saving is coming up, too. Is that this weekend? It or is. Next weekend? Is it this weekend? Yeah. So the start of my vacay, and I'm going to lose an hour. Unbelievable. It's crazy. Um, also, we would keep the clocks here full time. Change the clocks this weekend and leave them there full time. Except the the U.S. House of Representatives, Democratic-led U.S. House of Representatives, ignored it, ignored the legislation. All they had to do is sign it, and then Biden would have signed it. We would have been good to go. We would have had, like, a couple minutes more after 5 o'clock of sunlight in the winter. Um, so, we, you know, we're not all just deeply depressed. Uh, I'm still so bitter about that. Unbelievable. Yeah. Maybe the GOP can get it. I done. try not to take political positions, Rick. That's one I will take. The GOP House, they could pass. A they could do that, right? Right. Let's do it, Republicans. Let's, we still got a shot here. And then maybe we'll have a stupid senator who forgets who's uh, <laughs> who blames his associate for not. You guys would have to go. A senator's uh, blamed his associate for not reminding him that he had to go oppose the daylight savings legislation because in the Senate, it could just be one person. Yes, one and, person can object in the Senate and it throws everything off. And that person didn't show up and then the Senate passed it and then the whole Senate went, whoops. Everyone because, was like, oh, my goodness. Because they want to they want to propose that as a, as a dying thing that's never going to get done. And, but, hey, look, we proposed it. And then they went, whoops, it passed. And then the House and it went, in, it went to the House, and then the House had to deal with the, the fallout. And there was no fallout except on this show. There was fallout on this show because I brought on Mark Pocan. I brought on Ron Kind. And I brought on my uh, Brad Finstad, my Republican. They were all for it. They were all for changing it to daylight savings. Okay, but you never passed it. Like it's such, it's um, very uh, like who's gonna like of all the controversial things. This seems like hey, twice a year we don't have to mess with our clocks. 
Um, so yeah, daylight savings time this week and everybody. Um, do we have one more? I mean, we I mentioned our, the 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 anniversary of the 174 year old abortion law that came into uh, state law today, 174 years ago. That's really funny. Uh, Gableman, a Gableman's website. Yes. That, can we do this one quick? I, yes. So Michael Gableman was the former Wisconsin state support state Supreme Court justice who was tasked by Assembly Speaker Robin Voss to investigate the 2020 presidential election. Now, not much came out of this investigation except millions and millions and millions of dollars of lawsuits. The tab ended up being $2.5 million and the Basically, the investigation is best known for being a bit of a boondoggle as opposed to being a productive investigation into what happened during the 2020 election. Now, according to Scott Bauer of the Associated Press, the website Michael Gableman created to collect tips and post updates about his investigation into the 2020 presidential election in Wisconsin is now home to advice, all in French, about how to boost your confidence including smiling and being positive. So, Rick, this is great. Now, instead of posting tips about how the election was problematic or any issues with the election, now you can go to Michael Gableman's website. It's in French, so you have to do some translation, Mm -hmm. but you can learn all about how to boost your confidence. And I would say that smiling and being positive are great pieces of advice for being more confident. No palavu français, I would say. <laughs> um, also, Michael Gableman does not seem to, to me as somebody who is like positive and smiling. He does not. No, uh, that's all I gotta say about. It. I don't even know what to say about that, except that I'm off next week. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Dragoski. Thank you.